One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. to rule the roost podcast um it's uh well let's jump straight in i'm i'm your host jack the trunk um i'm gonna choose a name one day that i'll introduce myself as or maybe i won't maybe that's just how i roll um i'm joined this week by as ever well you wasn't you weren't here last week actually i say as ever but you bottled it last week raj Raj baines hello raj how you doing mate i'm not too bad yourself yeah i'm good why why are we so scared of the arsenal fans uh, I wasn't at all. Um, I was supposed to take my stuff to my granddad's house and record it from there, as I have done <laughs> several times before. But um, I forgot my bag of stuff at home, so I didn't have anything with which to do it with. Um, so luckily for me, Seb was kind enough to, to stand in and take my place. That's a good segue into our our other guest, um, Mr. Seb, Premier League Owl. Premier League Owl, Seb? Seb. The Premier League owl. There you go. Should I settle yeah, on that one? Very different introduction. I know. I've, na- I've nailed that, haven't I? <laughs> yeah. How are you doing, Seb? I'm doing good, mate. I'm doing good. I um, I'm I'm feeling a lot better than I thought I was going to uh, on Monday morning before last weekend. But um, yeah, happy, satisfied. How, how? Yeah. I take it this is. Did you just have a really good weekend, or is this because of the football? Uh, no, well, a bit of both. I had a good weekend, but the football was. Um, I kind of. Um, I I had some friends down for the weekend in a kind of way, as a sort of softening blow to what I thought was going to happen on Saturday night. <laughs> and a kind of, you know, oh well, I can't, I can't be too upset because you know I've got friends staying with me. I've got to kind of put on a brave face, and then, and then, yeah, everything was just a lot better than I thought it was going to be. And and um, the only, as I said when we recorded last time, the, the only thing I require from from Tottenham on Derby Day is, is just don't beat themselves. You know, just not don't um, don't throw the ball in the back of our own net. And they didn't do that. And um, great, it just um, yeah, pride intact, basically. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, well, there's plenty of places we could start with this, but uh, I'll go. Raj, do you think one one fair result, or you know, do do you uh, understand the the Arsenal fans' grievances? Uh, no, I, I think their grievances are a little misfound, in all honesty. Um, I think 1-1-1 was probably fair. Um, I think they, they probably did just about enough to um, to deserve an equaliser. I think both both teams did did okay. Um, I don't buy into the, the theory that they outplayed us by any means. I think it was the game was pretty much played at a pace at which we dictated, which was nice to see. I was, I was delighted by the, the performance. 
the tactics and, and whatnot. I'm, I'm sure we'll get into that much deeper any, as we any, go on. Any particular facet of the performance that delighted you? Just the the fact that they took me by surprise by the 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 way in which they were so so much confidence and so measured in what they'd done, and they looked like they'd been drilled to do exactly what they'd done, um, which was missing from previous performances. It was it was a, a tactical flexibility and um, some sort of he, opposition specificness um, shown by Pochettino that I was I was pleased to see that perhaps we hadn't seen before against West Brom or Liverpool um, and this was given that we, we were expecting the worst with this and the fact that we got our best performance of the season it was um, it, was, it was quite a good result really I was, I, I was, I was delighted by it I was going to say it did seem like a particularly un-Tottenham performance in the, in the respect that even when Arsenal were kind of putting us under loads and loads of pressure for sort of spells throughout the game we always looked quite assured and we always looked pretty comfortable. I mean, there were a couple of couple of little wobbles. Um, I mean, again, like I mean, like Seb, you're saying that like we didn't throw the ball into our own net. And if we were to be hypercritical, you could potentially pick out like Lamella's poor clearance. But even that would, like I say, that would be quite harsh. Um, but we just like we just looked like a a very a very decent unit. But I mean. <laughs> Is it a worry at all that we've kind of, even though, you know, in previous games we've been smashed like 5-2, I hate to say it, by them at the Emirates. But, you know, in the past when we've kind of gone there with a bit more belief, perhaps, and we've kind of taken the game to them. Whereas do you think this time we did kind of sit back and look to absorb the pressure and just strike an account? Is that, you know, is is this just something we should get used to, this kind of playing conservatively? Um Playing like a, a smaller team, dare I say it now? I don't think we played like a smaller team. I yeah, think that's a, an absurd accusation. <laughs> I think it's a, a, a lack of appreciation for the tactics that were put in place for the occasion. Um, you, you're going to accuse somebody like Mourinho who'd set up in a similar manner of, of being in charge of a small team with small players. Yeah, you know, I, I, I hate myself a little bit for what I'm about to say. Um, but I, I have... I have full appreciation for, for what Pochettino did tactically and, and how his players executed it. I just, and this isn't really meant as a criticism, I just, Arsenal did not play well. And Arsenal are not, Arsenal are not what I think we've built them up to be in our own minds. And I, that's understandable given, you know, recent history between the two teams. But there was just an element of the first hour of that game was great. And it was it was something to be really proud of. The second half an hour just felt like I, it, it felt like an invitation back into the game. And I understand it's inevitable. And I understand what happened. And I understand also that, you know, given the five twos, given um, given what happened last week and given what happened against Liverpool, there has to be a more guarded attitude, especially at this early stage of, of Pochettino's reign. But it felt a little bit like a missed opportunity. And that's... I, I, it's it's just it's a horrible thing to say, and I'm going to get you all kinds of negative iTunes reviews for that, and um, <laughs> probably be called a disgrace again, which is which is good. It's quite um, a good thing. Oh, that was good. That's yeah. Um, with my boring accent, apparently. Um, but that's either it, you or it's Raj, to be fair. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I just I, there was just this tinge of disappointment, and I 
I don't want to. I don't want to sound like one of those Tottenham fans that can always find something to be negative about. Um, it just this was a day when when Arsenal could be beaten, um, and they, you know, I, I've heard a lot of Arsenal fans talking about possession statistics and you know seventy percent, thirty percent, but in reality, that that was really a symptom of of, of what happened post goal, post Chadley giving us the lead. It was a right retreat back into own half. We're in the lead of the Emirates. It's our default position just to stack 10 men behind the ball and do nothing else the rest of the game. And it was just as a, a weird little um, statistical anomaly. After Chadley scored, we didn't complete another pass into, into Arsenal's box after that. And that's kind of, yeah, which I, I know statistics are not the be all and or everything. And mm. I, I don't want to sound like someone who believes that they are, but that was just a uh, symptomatic of how negative we were. And it just. I don't know. I just felt a little bit like we gave Arsenal a leg back into the game, a leg up back into the game, and and um, and that's that's hypercritical. That's um, you know. Uh, so I, let me let me apologise to everyone who I've just uh, his uh, his parade I've just rained on there. But um, it's just uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's right, but it, that's just how it felt afterwards. Yeah, I I, I think again I, I can understand like the the occasion maybe getting to people a little bit. Um, I mean, do do you do you attribute it more to a kind of like player level um, that 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 they've actually kind of gotten a bit worried, um, or do you think it's something that Pochettino has actively done to to see that the the game changed in such a drastic fashion? Oh, I, I'm quite certain it's a tactical instruction. And, and that's, you know, again, ironically, that's something to praise the team for because whatever the tactical instruction was, it worked very well for a long time. Um, and that's, you know, the, 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 the positives far away the negatives. And, and some of them, I mean, even Jan Vertonghen played well. I mean, he, he just, he was, he, I mean, you see what a little bit of concentration does to a player like that. He was fantastic, as was Kabul, uh, as was Kapu. Um Mason did 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 fine. Big considering... sh- yeah, big shout out for him, Mason. I think to step yeah. up into the Premier League and into a North London derby. Oh, can you imagine? It'd be, I mean, it'd be you'd be terrified, wouldn't you? And and he did. Um, not only didn't he, he didn't make any mistakes, but also he managed to not fully, but he managed to express himself to a certain extent, and that's huge credit to his personality because that can't have been easy. Uh, and um, you know, there, there were a lot of good things, but I, I think it was. I don't think it was the players suddenly realizing, well, we're we're one up at Arsenal. You know, let's go back into our shell. I think they they did exactly what they were told to do. Um, there was a very, there was definite shape to the way we played um, after the goal was scored, and I, you know, I think that was a, a managerial instruction. Ericsson came in line for a bit of criticism, but like in your in your article um, that you you know wrote shortly after the the match, Raj, I think that that felt pretty unjust. I think the the lad had a pretty decent game, myself. Yeah, well, like I, I said in that piece, uh, um, I think it was a misunderstood performance from Ericsson. Um, I think his role was, was shifted um, quite drastically from what we used to. And because people have come so accustomed to seeing him play one specific role and and do a certain job for the side within that role, the fact that he'd done something different without it really being telegraphed too much... Um, made some people label him as anonymous, which I thought was completely wider than Mark. Um, it's it's actually the, the the longest section of the of the piece I wrote is is in, is about that Ericsson um, performance because he started his starting position was around ten to fifteen yards, even deeper than than that points behind what he usually receives the ball at, and um, he. 
He was essentially used in a, a midfield three, um, loosely with, with Kapu and Mason. And Kapu was the deepest of the three, naturally. And then Mason and Eriksen, their jobs were to, to press when the Arsenal players had, had come deeper into the Tottenham half. And then if they could, obviously, di- disrupt the pattern of play and, and then and the speed of transition, it was, it was all about getting the ball to either Chadley, uh, Adibayor or Lamella, who were who are much further forward than compared to the rest of them. If you look at the, the average positions, um, Ericsson's deeper than, than the other three, whereas usually he'd be as part of the front four. There was a definite fragmentation there. And um, what he did for me excellently was was just sort of adapt his game. I mean, he's he's multifaceted in a way that we've not really seen. He's um, He's got the ability to play in several different positions. And the fact that he's been in that front four, which is probably his best area, um, has meant that when he did play a different role for us and did a completely different job, and I think he did it fantastically well, I think that may have led people who, who don't tend to watch games in the same manner that, that I perhaps do um, think he was, he was a bit different because they weren't seeing him pop up in the final third, creating think, the goals. Do you think even he, not Pochettino, but do you think Ericsson has even found his ideal position yet? Do you think like the position in which he plays at his optimum level... I think, yeah, if he's given a, a freer role um, as a number 10, I think if you were to ask him, that would be his preferred position. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's, he's, um, he looks as comfortable or as, um, or as effective when he drifts further wide. But obviously that's a, a part of the game when he plays a front four, to be able to take up the different positions and, and allow different players to drift into space to try and confuse and coerce the defence. Um, that's all part of a, a system, really. But when he played... Um, and the weekend against Arsenal because it was such a different role and because he did it well. I mean, it may raise some questions in his mind. I mean, when he gets older and perhaps when he loses the yard of pace, he may be able to drop further back into midfield and play a different role. But um, I think for because it was such a regimented and, and, as I say, such a measured performance, the fact that he he gave so much into that and the fact that the, the defence and the pressing inside our own half would have been so so much weaker had he not sacrificed his own attacking influence to 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 jump in there then I think it would have been a a much more open encounter than we allowed it to be and I think he did fantastically to be honest I think I, I, I probably explained it better in words if you want to you want to read it than I do in it talking about it funnily enough that tends to be the tends to be the way around with me unfortunately but I, I think he did fantastically I mean there was quite a lot of negativity about him but um it wasn't something I agreed with what's other. Adebayo was disappointingly anonymous, wasn't he? Um, do you, he seems to have struggled to really kind of capture any of that form that he had at the tail end of last season, which you can't help but think was a result of Sherwood just blowing smoke up his ass um, and letting him, well, probably treating him in a very similar way um, as to which Harry Redknapp treated the players in that you just go out and play your own game, son, and you show you show Andre you know, what he was missing out on. Um, you can imagine was probably a, a, a large part of it. But do you think, Seb, there's any kind of tactical reason as to why Adebayo is stuttering this season? Uh, well, I, this season in general, I'm not sure. But on, on Saturday, like, Adebayo is, is, Adebayo's relevance seems to fade away when the, the, the more Spurs go onto the back foot. And, and the irony of that is that the more they're on the back foot, the more they need him to show for the ball. And... um. 
I don't want to be again. I don't want to be one of those people that lumps on Adebayor uh, because I'm actually a big fan of uh, of him at his best. But it just I don't know. There's 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 a degree less to him than there was last season, and it's 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 just it's perennial frustration with him. And that unless there's a unless there's an issue, unless there's something that he's raging against, he doesn't seem to play with the same intensity. And and I I can't see any. I mean, he's the the system is different between you know this season and last, um, and between Redknapp, um, Bidis Boas, Sherwood, and Pochettino. But his role isn't that different in the sense that he is still uh, uh, his game is still built around principles of a lone forward and and the, the things that he needs to do are, have always really remained the same he needs to hold the ball bring others into the game um and offer a reliable outball when the side is under pressure and it's just i don't know i i it's it, it's really easy just to point the finger at him and and and, and question his work rate but um he wasn't especially after we went a goal up he just wasn't as available um his running to the channels wasn't the same uh, as it was last season. There wasn't the same verve to his play. And it's just, yeah, beyond that, I, it's just such a complex character, a man in light of Bio, that you, it's really hard to guess as to what it is that that, that motivates him. But, um, yeah, there, there's something not quite right about him. And um, I don't think it's tactical. I don't, um, because I don't see an obvious difference in what he's being asked to do. Well, well it remains to be seen if we'll see more of Soldado as a result. Um or if it'll be Harry Kane, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say, really. I, there's a little, there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a ridiculously romantic part of me that would just like to see Harry Kane be given the mantle and see him go smash it for us for the season. But let's be honest, I think there's we're about as much chance well, of me. Yeah. I think the thing about Harry Kane is, look, and I'm, I'm, I, I would love to be wrong about Harry Kane. I'd love to be wrong about him because it's so nice to see an academy product do something in the first team. Um, he's already a lot better than I ever thought he was going to be. Yeah, um, there's a lot more to his game. His feet are better. He is a he is a, a more technically accomplished player than I ever gave him credit for. But at the same time, I think there's this temptation to to over exaggerate quite how good he is because of how good we want him to be. I think you know it's a, we've got to guard against that. And um, I would still rather see Soldado up front. If if it, if we were just if we're just going position by position, then I you know and, and nothing changes about the role, then I would still put Soldado ahead of him. Um, but uh, you know, I'm sure plenty of people disagree with that. But either way, a point at the Emirates before the game, and I think we would have all we would have all snapped oh. snapped the proverbial oh, hands off for it. So uh, let's move on to the to the game ahead, um, which well, not the Premier League game, but has. Um, Midweek, there's actually I think Besiktas and Galatasaray are over in London at the same time to play Tottenham and Arsenal respectively, um, which might lead for quite a melting pot of uh, of aggression in the capital. But um, it's 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 not going to be. I don't think it's going to be an easy game, is it, Besiktas? Um, can you can you see us playing our second string, Raj? Um, I, I wouldn't think so. No, I think it'd be a fairly strong side. Um, they're no mugs. <clears throat> They've got um, Demba Barr up front, who's um, who's doing really well for them. He's, he scored in um, in the earlier rounds in the Champions League knockouts, I think. So um, he's, he's been a good signing for them. The rest of the players tend to be a bit more uh, Turkish based. They're not not like Galatasaray and Fenerbahce who tend to to branch out and buy uh, foreign imports as much. So. Um, 
they're going to be a stern test. This is going to be one of our hardest games. Um, Besiktas away as well. It's going to be very difficult. Um, but I think it's one at home in the Europa League. We should be looking to, to try and win. Um, I think if we... If we're anywhere as close to being as organised as we were against Arsenal, then it should hopefully, um, hopefully, hopefully come out in a, in a positive result. Do you reckon we'll uh, chuck Ryan Mason into this game, or do you think we'll save him for the for the Premier League game? I haven't a clue. Um, it's entirely dependent on uh, on what Pochettino de- deems necessary. Really, um, he's going to have a, a, an idea about how he wants to play against Southampton because it's a Aside, he'll know the best out of everyone else in the league. So, um, depending on how he thinks he can, um, he can best re- like how he can best exploit their weaknesses. Um, he'll go with that side. I don't think he's um, he's shown a sign of, of having any sort of preferences as yet. He goes, he tends to to switch players um, when he thinks the time is right. So, if he thinks Mason's a, a better game against Besiktas uh, and somebody else will be better against. Uh, Southampton remains to be seen. To be honest, I'm, I've not, I'm not seen enough of him at Tottenham to start second guessing his, his starting eleven. Um, and it's a similar similar place to where we were with AVB when when his starting eleven used to be, you know, the same ten players and then be a, a, an odd one from left field some weeks. And I think Pochettino will do that as well, just because he's, he's still at a, a stage where he's he's quite happy to evaluate his squad and see what they're like under pressure. Do you, Seb, do you much buy into the uh, idea that midweek football, especially European football, for some reason, um, affects our weekend performances, considering that we do rotate the squad heavily? I mean, some people like to counter the argument that, oh, well, you know, it's a, it's a completely different set of players will say that, well, Pochettino has had to split his time between two fixtures as opposed to devoting all his preparation to just the one game. Yeah, well, I think there has to be. I mean, I'm tempted to believe that there's... I mean, part of this problem is mental. I think it's... And again, you're right, because in many cases, it's, you know, there are eight or nine changes between the Thursday night game and the Sunday night, uh, the Sunday afternoon or or Monday night game. Um, But I think... If you add up the kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of it, the point you make about um, Pochettino having to split his time is excellent. The travelling, you know, it's 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 got to be a fact. And I'll say, you know what, Jack, you, you can't ignore the statistics. I mean, and not just with Tottenham, but you know, um, all the sides you play, uh, all, all the sides who have played in the Europa League in its current form um, over the years, they, you know, it's not just an anomaly that you know points get dropped on Sunday. It just it's. Um, it's a perpetual struggle throughout a team's involvement in Europe. Um, so yeah, you can't ignore it. I, I don't think it's it's not an urban myth. Put it that way. It's interesting though because it, it never seems to really get picked up on when you play like a, a midweek domestic cup fixture, though. For example, it, it doesn't seem to ever get kind of factored into the the media psyche that you know a team might struggle on the weekend because they played a midweek cup game. Um, but even when it's a, a home tie in the Europa League and even in the Champions League to be honest they don't seem to mention the fact that a team has played in the Champions League midweek but it just seems to be this kind of stigma behind the the the, the Europa League um, where it always seems to get highlighted but I don't know I, you know, like you say you can't really ignore the, the, the stats as it were but whether or not it's a, more of a mental issue as opposed to a, a physical one as you were saying earlier 
Well, I, I, I think it might be, but also with the, the the domestic competitions. I mean, I think that I think you're quite right, but I think there's also an element that element of um, you know in the in the early rounds of the League Cup. I mean, the, the playing field is, is relatively level yeah. because everyone's involved, and so that you, you tend to get a situation where you know two teams who played midweek are facing off against each other at the weekend. Um, but uh, yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's 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 the it's the asterisk against involved in in the Europa League and it always will be well Um, well, that's a good point Um, and I guess it it leads us to very nicely to our to our the main portion of our show um, as we talk Southampton so welcome back Mr Steve Grant to Rule the Roost how you doing mate yeah good Um, it's been been an interesting few months, must be said, since I was last on. I can imagine. I think in that time we've nicked your manager and you've lost half your team, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a meltdown, apparently. Yeah, um, Armageddon. I, I actually, you know, I, I'll, I'll hold my hands up to it now. There's probably some tweets that you'll be able to retweet at some point. I, I actually thought you guys might be prime for prime for relegation this season after after the kind of the blows you took. Not so much a reflection on your personnel that was left over, but just the kind of uncertainty around the club and everything like that. I thought it might send shockwaves through the team, but maybe I got suckered in by the tabloid press, perhaps. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I mean, the, the Daily Mail seemed to like, seemed to want to stir things up because they had, um, obviously, Neil Ashton. Um, top man, top man, built, Neil. Yeah, built up, built up a bit of a friendship uh, with uh, with our former chairman and um, seemed to be quite happy to do his uh, PR for him uh, um, after he left in January. But um, no, I mean, I think, I think the, when we'd, we'd obviously sold the, uh, sold the five players and only brought two in, then I think people were, I think within their rights to, to certainly be um, asking questions. Um, But I think the, the sort of, um, Sort of scare stories from from people saying, "Oh, it's um, it's clearly asset stripping, and the owner wants to sell, and she's got no interest in football, and um, she's going to quite ha- quite happy for us to be relegated, and all this all this sort of nonsense um, was just massively over the top." Um, I mean, I, I I mean, certainly what's happened so far this season was way beyond. Um, I think even the most optimistic Saints fans. Um, Sort of predictions, but I don't think I don't think we were ever likely to be uh, sort of down um, down near the bottom three, especially given that we were give, given a relatively kind opening set of fixtures. I mean, before we kind of delve into your your players out, um, we, I guess we might as well look first at Pochettino. Yeah, um, I mean, are you in terms of from a Spurs perspective, are you more disappointed that? we signed Pochettino or that Southampton tried to sign Andrus Townsend for 12 million pounds. I'm not convinced <laughs> there was actually that much in the, in the Townsend thing, or at least I, I bloody hope not because he's <laughs> fucking awful. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, from, from what I gather, I think the, the Townsend thing was more a, a case of, well, he's someone that we could realistically sign. So let's just be a bit mischievous and throw some stories out there and see what sticks. Um, with a view to kind of showing that well we can play the we can play the media game as well. Mm. Um, 
a smokescreen, if you no, like. I, I, I genuinely don't see where Townsend, even even if he could play like he did for England against Montenegro every week, then I, I don't. I just don't see where he would fit in fit into our system. Um, so if there, even if there was any truth in it, I, I just don't see what what would be gained for us getting him, particularly at that price. Um, although saying that, we have already completely blown about the same sort of money on Shane Long. Um, it's a bit of a weird one, that one. It? It, well, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, he's he's the he's the type of player that we that we desperately needed. Mm. Um, bit of energy, good in the air. Um, isn't too fussed about playing, not exactly in position. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's twelve, 12 million quid is absolutely ridiculous figure. But given the money we brought in, I guess the club thought, well, we can we can suffer um, overpaying on one player, having made so much on, all, on the ones that have yeah. gone. I mean, being as ob- objective as you can, um, just to move it over back onto Pochettino, where you, where you, you know, strip out whatever's happened now with Coleman and everything, but were you, were you sad to see him go? Um, did you think it was a, a, a major loss um, that he did leave Southampton? Um, yes and no, really, because... Well, certainly he did, he did a very good job for us. Um, all the all the things that everybody has obviously raised at various points over the eighteen months or so he was in charge of us, in terms of the things that he lacked as manager with us, um, were absolutely true. I mean, we we didn't have a plan B. We struggled against teams who sat deep against us. Um, we um, he was never able to change a game. I don't think. In, in fact, in the 18 months that he was our manager, we never came from behind to win. Um, whereas under Koeman, we've already done that twice. Um, so it shows... It's, I mean, it's not... Um, I mean, obviously, it's early days yet with Koeman, but what we've seen is a lot more lot more variety, a lot more... Um, I think it's it's more playing to, the, playing to the strength of the players that he's got as opposed to having a pre predetermined idea of how he wants to make the players work. It's certainly one thing I've noticed um, in a couple of games I've seen of Spurs this season, is that you've got a few players who just don't look like they're the sort of players who are going to fit into a Pochettino system. Um, I mean, it, it worked worked to an extent, I guess, on, on Saturday, in that you um, he seems to have got um, Ericsson as a prime example to be sort of pressing a little bit more, being a little bit more proactive. Um, sort of defending from the front, but that's it's not it's certainly not a natural part of his game. And you wonder whether just because that was a derby and because the the tactics were slightly different, I think, um, from how you've been playing for the other games, um, whether yeah the fact as I say the fact that it was a derby that he was he felt sort of obliged to put in a bit more effort. But I don't know. We'll see. I mean, obviously, we don't like you know you don't want to placate knee jerk people too much um, in the respect that if you already look through Twitter, <laughs> you can already see a few people voicing their concerns about Pochettino in a kind of not an out and out Pochettino out way, but yeah, still pretty ridiculous in that you know oh you know he's got a couple more games and then I'm going to really start to question what he's doing here at the club, <laughs> yada, yada, yada. And that's, you know, he's always going to be a victim of the kind of success he had with Southampton. Um, yeah. Because, you know, he... he it's, it's, a, it's a different it's a different ball game now for him because he's now got that extra expectation. Yeah. With us, he, 
he had very, very little expectation. All we were expected to do was at best be sort of mid-table, which, I mean, to be honest, ultimately, that's where we were. We were, I mean, best of the rest, finishing eighth isn't really anything to write home about, I wouldn't say. But, I mean, how, how long did it take for you to start to see um, the effect that he had on the team? I mean, you, you know, was it one of those things that instantly he took over and there you go, you'd hit the ground running and Southampton were firing? Or did it did it take like half a season until the players kind of came around to the system, until the football started to look as good as it did toward the end of his tenure? Just give we, people a bit of an idea about time, time frame, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one because obviously when he, when he came into us, it was the middle of January. Um, whereas obviously he signed, he, he's joined joined you at the end at the end of the um, last season. So he had, he's had the whole of pre season to work with the players. Um, whereas with us, he basically came right into it um, and had to, well, say hit the ground running. We'd we'd already been on a decent run of form under Atkins when he, when he was sacked. Um, so I mean, it was it for the first first sort of few months towards the end of the twelve thirteen season. It was more. Um, subtle changes as opposed to um, wholesale because we were we were pressing quite high up the pitch under Adkins anyway um, so it wasn't um, it wasn't as if Pochettino came in and completely changed everything it was um, it was very sort of subtle subtle changes that um, that obviously brought um, positive effects on us because um, we were then able to win we obviously won home games against Chelsea Liverpool and Man City Um in that sort of four month period or so. Um, but it wasn't, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it certainly wasn't a case of he came in and we were suddenly hitting the ground running and rolling over teams that we wouldn't have beaten um, three weeks previous. Okay. Um, I mean, so what's the, the noted difference that you're seeing now under Coleman as to, you know, compared to what was happening under Pochettino? Um, well, we don't press quite so high up now. We press from we press from the halfway line as opposed to um, from the front players. Um, so Pella isn't expected to run around um, wasting his energy chasing the ball along across the back four. We're quite happy for the opposition to pass it around their defenders because then they're they're no danger to us there. Um, but it's once they then cross across the halfway line that we then start um, start pressing. And, and to be honest, we've in, in that sense, we press in the same way as we did um, under Pochettino, in that everybody swarms around and make sure um, make sure they get um, get the ball back as quickly as possible. Um, we actually seem we seem to have dropped a little bit deeper with the back four as well, so we're not um, we don't leave ourselves open to um, to the ball over the top against teams who have got a bit of pace. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's more, we're a little bit more pragmatic, I think, because we've got, I mean, Pella is, is a, um, different, different type of centre forward to Ricky Lambert. Lambert is very intelligent in the way that he, he would, um, move off the ball. He'd pull out wide, which would allow the likes of Rodriguez to run through the middle, Lalana do the same as well. Um, but Pella, um, um with, with Pella what you've done so far this season, obviously points on the bar. Sorry. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah, uh, Raj. Raj disappeared. Raj disappeared. Well, while we while we search for Raj, I, I was going to ask Steve. Actually, I um, 
Would you think of it, because I've seen a couple of Southampton games already this season, and, and it's been surprising how quickly there's been some chemistry developing between Pella and Tadic. Would you think of that? Because I, I, mean, I, I saw a little bit of the QPR game on, um, on, on Saturday, and, and uh, Kyron seemed to switch him into more of a right-sided role than he's played at any other point this season. It's been really interesting to see that they've well one creative player and one player who who, who uh, relies solely on supply. I think that's kind of relatively fair way of describing Pella. Um, yeah, yeah. Sort of jumped in the same team and, and been effective immediately. What do you reckon about that? Yeah, surprising. Um, I, don't, I don't think anyone's expecting to come um, sort of straight in and and have such an impact. But he's been yeah he's been. Tadic has been terrific. I mean, I, I think he's going to be arguably the signing of the season. Uh, I mean, Pella's obviously got the um, got the headlines with the goals he scored, but I mean, Tadic looks an absolutely fantastic player. Um, we like paid, I think, what ten million euros for him, and obviously flogged Lalana for twenty five million. And I think, I mean, Tadic is showing that potentially he's got more strings to his bow. He seems to be a classic example to me of someone that's just being completely like he has that red flag against him purely because of where he was playing his football. People didn't really look at sort of what kind of player he was and how intelligent he was. And also, I was a technically really gifted footballer as well. Um, and because he's been in the Eredivisie, people would say, well, you know, I'm proving, uh, uh, you're not a proven commodity in England. Therefore, you know, you, it's, it's, a, it's a weird, it's like one of my bugbears actually just, uh, the kind of um, the prejudice that seems to exist against players from those divisions, and you know, and the prioritisation of a, uh, which is great for you because without that, you don't get to sell the Lana for twenty five million, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, the the English premium is la- is absolutely laughable. Yeah, really. um, given the yeah. sort of players that you can pick up with the right scouting and the right knowledge. Um, I mean, yeah, the Eredivisie isn't as strong, certainly isn't as strong defensively. No, nope. uh, as. Um, as the other top leagues, but then I mean, even the Premier League's not that great defensively anymore. How many how many top class defenders can you could you list? I mean, you could probably list four, five. Yeah, top class def- Vlad Kirakesh, Yunus Kabul. Well, there's three for you without even thinking. Yeah. Danny Rose, Carl Norton, of course. You know, <laughs> it's a thing though. I mean, I, I um I um it's a, it's a different point, but also Steve, I. I think James Ward-Prowse seems to be. I mean, I, like, no one's no one's going to present the, the loss of talent over the summer as a good thing. But James Ward-Prowse seems to have really benefited from. I don't know whether it's. Uh, I, I I can't speak for for um, the mental effect it's had on him, but he seems to have uh, exponentially improved within a very short space of time. He's a he's a strange player to get to get a handle on because. So Nobody seems to be quite sure what type of midfielder he's trying to be. Exactly. Um, and for each of our three Premier League seasons, he's actually um, had such a good pre-season that he started the season as first choice in the centre midfield. And then gradually as the season goes on, he um, he kind of loses a bit of energy and um, sort of drops out of the team and is used more, more off the bench. Um, obviously, Slightly different uh, this season in that he's obviously um, picked up an injury and he's going to be out for the next couple of months. But yeah, certainly he's he's got the potential to be a very good player. But he needs to, I think he needs to decide what type of midfielder he wants to be because um, it's no good in being just used as um, as someone who can take free kicks and corners. Um, 
because you're then playing effectively playing with ten men. Um, I mean, he's he's obviously a better player than that, but he need he needs to decide whether he wants to play in this. I mean, this arbitrary quarterback role that Brendan Rodgers seems to have decided is a really good idea, um, mm. despite every statistic telling him otherwise. Um, whether he wants to play in a deeper role, whether he, he he thinks that he should be playing a little bit further forward. And if if he is going to play further forward, he probably needs to um, he needs to uh, be a little bit better in open play, um, as well as obviously having the set piece uh, prowess that he that he already he's already got. It's interesting what you say about him fading away across across the course of the season because that the um, when you lot played at Anfield, he was absolutely brilliant through the middle and it's just like seems to suggest that there's a kind of there is like an underlying fitness problem because he looked so composed on the ball and he looked every time he had the ball at his feet Liverpool didn't really know what to do with him he was a really clever player in his use of the ball and, and it just it was so so impressive um, and so whether that's I don't know whether that, I think that must a lot be... depends on the opposition yeah, um, yeah because obviously playing away at Liverpool you're expecting them to have the majority of the play um, and Certainly, Liverpool weren't as um, uh, sort of at us as they were as they were to teams last season. They weren't um, snapping into tackles and getting uh, winning second balls and making sure that they were they were the ones pressing um, pressing yeah. us on the ball as soon as we got it. They were quite happy for us to knock the ball around midfield, and we we actually had a lot of joy up there. And we, I mean, to be honest, we should have we should have got a result out there. We missed some missed some shocking chances in the second half. Yeah, that's the uh, chance. That was, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, well, Liverpool. I mean, it's interesting because Liverpool, Liverpool are actually deceptively soft in midfield, deep midfield yeah. anyway. And he, he, he really took advantage of that. As, as did Tadic and Davis as well. To be fair, but um, they, um, yeah, that was just, uh, yeah, really, really, really eye-opening performance. And if that's the kind of thing, if that's the kind of level he can, um, he can consistently reach. That's, you know, that's your next, your next twenty-five million pounds sale. Well, yeah, I mean, he was he was linked with Man City in the summer because obviously City had got their homegrown quota issues, so he'd he'd um, he'd probably make sense for them, but he'd be pissing away his career if he goes up there. Oh, and it's and you, you get the problem with all all these all these young English players. The the top teams can't be asked to produce their own. So they go and buy in buy in the players from um, from the sort of mid table sides. Um, and then leading to rot because they they just don't fit. They technically they're just not quite as good. Well, also you don't. I mean, if you're if you're a Man City or a Chelsea, then you know, or if you're in the manager of one of those sides, you don't you don't have the time to be patient with a player like that. You don't you don't you can't. Your job is generally too tenuous to allow a a, a Ward Prowse type player to to come in, make the mistakes he needs to make. Um, yeah. and stick with him before you, you just you just can't do it. So I, I've got a degree. Yeah, you've got to win. You got to win titles and um, and cups. That's the you know you're not the bottom gonna, line for clubs like that. You know you're not you're not gonna you know you, you don't have a, a Paul Lambert type situation where you know you can be a bit crap for a while. Um, and you can you can allow your players to you know to go up the learning curve and 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 improve together. You just you, you got to win immediately. Uh, that's tough. Tough. I think one player I wanted to uh, talk about, and I, I feel Raj will probably be better qualified to do this because he, he had a particular bugbear about him last year, was uh, Mr. Luke Shaw. You you weren't a big fan of his, were you, Raj, really? Or at least uh, the hype that surrounded him and probably still does. No, I don't, don't think he was anywhere 
worth nearly the amount of money that you managed to get for him. I thought that was a fantastic deal on your end. Um, I just wanted to, to know what you made of it. I, do, did you think he was worth that amount? Do you think he's actually going to become a very good player? Because for me, he his biggest asset was the fact that he 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 attacked a lot and that he's English. Um, the, the player that we got, um, rather than spending that amount of money or even attempting to uh, Ben Davies, statistically is comparable to him and was actually better in many many fields and and the, the quality of play he has especially uh, stability-wise defensively, even though he's a couple of years older, um, it's, it's probably better than what, what Shaw has, has done his time uh, in the Premier League. Um, I mean, Ben Davies hasn't hit that ground running yet at Tottenham. He's, he's not really been given a chance in the league as yet. But um, the comparison between the two players is something I, I was interested in towards the end of last season, the fact that, that one of the players managed to go for £3 million, um, and one of them went for 30-odd. I just wondered what you, what you thought about Shaw. Well, I mean, I think I think the price was a reflection of um, United's utter desperation um, to make sure that they were getting um, big big signs. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes. Until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. And getting them over, getting them sort of through the door relatively quickly. Um, obviously, they ended up with only him and Herrera, sort of initially, and then waited forever to then spunk a uh, lorry load of cash on them um, on all sorts of other. Um, attacking players whilst completely neglecting the one area of their team that was completely completely screwed. Um, but yeah, I think I think a lot of it was a lot of it is based on his potential. Um, I mean, he, he played 50, played fifty games for us in, in the Premier League, so he's already got a fair bit of experience. Um, and it's it's a difficult one because certainly defensively he was. Um, rusty at times, um, but the fact that he had he's got um, that amount of pace and someone of his age is pretty strong um, meant that he was able to recover a lot of the mistakes that he made. Um, his one main problem, really, um, for us defensively was his um, concentration. He he um, doze off, uh, sort of marking and, and leave players to drift in behind. Um, which isn't isn't something I'd, I'd noticed um, happened to Swansea an awful lot last season. So I, I assume that's probably one area where Davis is is a lot better. But certainly going I mean going forward, Shaw is excellent up until the final ball, where his crossing has been uh, average at best, I guess. But then by the same token, he's 19 years old, um, and I'm sure that. Um, certainly, that part of the game he can improve along along with all the other bits that, he's, that he um, needs to work on. So I think a lot of the fee was more based on what he's potentially worth in the future, 
Um, they United obviously think they're getting um, England's future left back for the next next ten fifteen years, which is potential um, is certainly possible. Um, although I'd say that I mean Shaw's fitness record already um, in his what two two years and a bit of being a pro isn't isn't that great. The num- he missed a number of games with us through sort of niggling injuries and obviously started the season with the um, uh, the comments from Van Hal that he wasn't fit enough and he needed to lose weight and all this sort of nonsense. Um, so that, that part of his game is going to be interesting to see whether he whether he's going to be durable enough um, to play consistently at the highest level. Um, is it, is it, and it, I think it, the jury's out. Is it fair to say that um, potentially... You could be more gutted to have seen actually to have seen Callum Chambers go than you were Luke Shaw. Yes, um, although yeah, I mean, I mean certainly for the fee that Chambers went for. Um, although I'm led to believe that we didn't have an awful lot of choice in that, and there was that that there was um, a clause in his contract which mm-hmm. basically said if a Champions League club came in, then we had to negotiate. Um, but yeah, I mean certainly. Um, Chambers is more versatile. Um, already, you can you can see that he he reads the game really well. Um, I mean, clearly he's still going to make mistakes. He had an absolute shocker in that game at Everton um, about a month or so ago. But um, yeah, I mean, certainly for the the fact that he's gone to Arsenal and they're already playing him at centre back, um, and you could argue that's possibly a bit of a um, bit of a black mark on. Um, if you're being hypercritical, a bit of a black mark on Pochettino that he never, never even gave him a chance in that position. Um, but then it's, oh, it's it's a difficult one. You've got a couple. You had a couple of experienced defenders there, but Lovren missed, I think, two or three months of last season through injury in the end, um, and yet still somehow commanded a twenty million pound transfer. Um, but yeah, Cham- Chambers is the one that was probably the. A, the most disappointing and B, the most surprising because it came so out of the blue. He, he played two of the th- two or three pre-season games and everything was all set for, for him and Nathaniel Klein to be once again battling it out at, um, at right back. And all of a sudden he's left out in mysterious circumstances at Bournemouth and a day later he's, he's signed for Arsenal. It's just, it was just um, so out of the blue. And that, that, was the one, that was the one deal where all of a sudden people were starting to ask genuine questions about um, sort of club ambition and um, what what must Koeman think and whether he signed up to all this um, and all, the, all that sort of nonsense that, that, that went on. And um, we had all that, all that shit for best part of best part of two or three weeks until we finally started bringing the players in that we'd already earmarked to replace them. Um, but I mean, those, those two weeks were just so frustrating. I'll, I'll put this over to the two Tottenham lads, first of all. Um, do you think, given the way that Capu's been playing, um, either Raj or Seb, we're, we're, we're going to go back in for Schneiderlin, perhaps, in January or at the end of the season? I hope not. You hope not? No, I don't. I think Capu um, can do that role just about fine himself. I don't I think it's a unnecessary amount of money to be spending on a player that we may well could have, have covered that role already within the squad we have and we've got other priorities that could do with the cap. I, I, I do I do generally agree with Raj there. I mean, I, 
from what I've from what I've read, and this is just hearsay, from what I've read, Southampton won close to thirty million pounds for Schneiderlin, and I do think he's a better player than Capello. I think he's a more I think he's a more three dimensional player. I think he, uh, whilst Capu is as close to what we have that suits Pochettino's needs, um, I think that Schneidlin, if you're going to if you're going to pay another thirty million pounds out, and remember the situation we're in with the stadium and financing and all that kind of stuff, um, then you want a, you want a better player than Morgan Schneidlin, even though he is probably a, a marginal upgrade on Capu. I just don't. There are there are more pressing issues now as well. A forward is becoming you know more and more. Um, uh, it, it just is becoming more and more obvious that that, that that some money needs to be spent in that department before we add another another midfielder to the squad. Would you? Uh, I mean, would you be gutted to see him go, Steve? I would, but at the same time, um, also sort of appreciating the fact that he is by far and away our best player. Um, and deserves to be playing. I mean, to be honest, he, he deserves to be playing Champions League football, not Europa League. Um, and for that reason, I, I mean, I, I actually think this is the reason why we um, kicked up su- such a um, such a fuss about um, keeping him. Was that? Yeah, fine. If if you want to if you want to go and you can f- and a Champions League um, Champions League side. Um, comes in and and gives us the twenty five to thirty million that we would right, rightfully I think ask for, then yeah fair enough we'll we'll let we'll um, we'll do the deal and we'll say thank you very much and um, and reinvest the money out um, sort of in replacements. But I think if I don't I just don't think that um, the club wanted to necessarily deal with. Firstly, deal with Levy because he, I mean, <laughs> you presumably saw the uh, the um, the numbers that he threw our way. Um, I think I think his his supposedly final offer was twelve and a half million pounds. <laughs> it's like, well, which part of his, which which part of his left foot do you want for that? It's uh, just ridiculous, and um, all all that did was um, was stir up bad feelings. So I think. Uh, a lot of a lot of it was not just um, wanting to keep the player for for our own means, and also um, making it known to, to Schneiderlin himself that he could, to be honest, he could do better. Um, but it was also to say, well, no, we're not having Daniel Levy um, uh, screw us over like that. Um, so yeah, I, screw I, over I, the Spurs I fans, though. I genuinely think he'll. He'll, I mean, obviously, won't be a popular opinion on this pod, but I think um, next summer he'll be at Arsenal. Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. I think. Well, I think there's more need for him at Arsenal than there is at Tottenham, anyway. Oh, definitely. I mean, the, the, I, it genuinely it beggars belief that once again we've gone through another transfer window and Arsenal haven't bought a proper defensive midfielder. It's amazing, just yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the utter thinkers. Well, he's still he, um, he's still, he's still, he's still, he's still, he's still with. with Strikers. Yeah. Well, I mean, Wenger still. I mean, he, there's, there's a quote from him over the weekend. Uh, I think last week, said, talking about Abu Dhabi and how he, he's <laughs> going to convert him into like a, into the holding player that he never was, and and it's all going to be great from that here on. In. And you just think Wenger sounds like someone whose wife has left him, but <laughs> who 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 still believes years later that she will come back 
And that's Abid Diaby, I mean, in a way, because he's just, you, you can't, you cannot rely on a player that can't get through, you know. It's just, I, I think that's why he's never invested heavily. He, he's always, I don't know, he's, for whatever reason, he's obviously, you know, he, he's obviously given internal reassurances by someone that Abid Diaby is capable of playing, like, more than a game a season. I think um, when I brought him up last week with the Arsenal fans, they were they were pissing themselves, weren't they? So uh, I think that's about I, as yeah. Diaby could be. I mean, you, that, this is the thing. Diaby is a great hypothetical because you could, if you said, if you took away his injury record and you said, right, yeah, he's going to play holding midfielder. I think a lot of people go, yeah, I can see that, and I can see that being effective. But you just, there's got to be a point at which you say you, you've got to have you've got to have players that are going to be on the pitch, and um and yeah, and I I, I think that's. That's been the kind of um, that's been uh, this decade's version of the goalkeeping problem at Arsenal. It's for whatever reason, Wenger just doesn't see what absolutely everybody else in the game does, and that it's just the the the, the perennial weakness in his team. Uh, it's like back from the you didn't see the incident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just I don't know. I, mean, I think Schneiderlin would be great at Arsenal. I think that'd be I think a big great move for him. I you know. Whether they play Champions League football or not next year, I don't know. But it's just, uh, it just he's a, he's a, it just feels stylistically better suited to, to playing in a Wenger side. Uh, and uh, that, is that just because he's French, Seb? That what it is? That's like some weird Gallic prejudice yeah. that I've dropped into the country. If I didn't say that, he'd be going to Newcastle, wouldn't he, if that was the, uh, if that was the, the marker, so... It's not like Tottenham without without French players at the moment. We've got a, a good spine of French players in our squad. This is true. This is true. Also, um, let's let's move on to the game anyway. Sort of, you know, asterisks and obliques aside, and all that kind of thing. I said, that's a note. I haven't heard their their names after for quite a while actually. Asterisks and obliques. I used to have a game on the Master System, which was probably the hardest game I've ever had. But there you go. That's all right, Grandad. Yeah, well, I don't know, mate. You know, you. you... I've never heard of it. I don't know what you're on about. That's, yeah, right. that's, 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 that's a bit depressing. Um, yeah, the, the game itself. Do you, is he is he going to get a good reception, Pochettino, from the fans, Steve? Um, I suspect <laughs> not. To be honest, there's um, a bit of bad blood there, is there? Well, it's it. <laughs> It's a bit of a weird one because um, I don't know if you. I, I assume you've not followed, obviously, what's going on with our transfers, um, sort of outwards in in too much detail, other than oh, so and so's left this week and all and all of that. But um, when obviously Lambert was the first one to go, and the club basically gave him an entire um, page on on the site with where he was allowed to basically pen an open letter and all this sort of, um, non, uh, sort of modern football nonsense that um, the players get their PR people to do. Um, Pochettino um, also wrote one, um, whereas Lalana and Shaw, when they both left, were given the most sort of short, um, purely factual, um, we've, agreed a, we've agreed to deal with um, Liverpool or Man United to leave as applicable. Um, um, the fund, the funds received will be reinvested in in the first team squad. There's no sort of thanks for your service or anything like that. Um, so, I mean, Pochettino did did get that, but at the same time, it's kind of since come to light that um, things weren't necessarily as they initially seemed, and that um, Pochettino had basically 
known what he was going to be doing um, a number of months ago. And as a result, had been sort of quietly in the ear of, of our top players saying, look, this is your chance to um, get, this is your one and only chance to get a big move. You should, you should take that chance um, because I'm going. So it's, um, it's now open, open, sort of open season on, on everything. Um, and I mean, whether, whether that's true or whether, I mean, like most stories, it's probably somewhere in between, but um if there's even the slightest hint that, that any of that sort of stuff got went on, then no, it'll, it'll get a it'll get a terrible reception from us, um, and f- from that perspective, rightly so. But I think people should also realise that on the pitch, he did a good job for us. Does that mean we're going to see you on match of the day, Steve, running down to the front track? Fuck you, Pochettino! Like you're going to be one of those that gets highlighted? No, no, I, I, <laughs> I can't. Just can't usually be asked with that sort of shit to be honest um although saying that um when liverpool come down in i think february or march time that'll be fun um so i think everybody would be lying in the line in the touchline for that one um What's the perception? But, Honestly, no, no. well lalana and lovren will get all t- all sorts of abuse lambert will get a great Lo- reception but um lovren, yeah i mean I, I, he... I think realistically pochettino will get It'll be mixed. I think is the uh, is the best best and simplest way of describing it. And how how do you see yourself, you know, approaching the game? Do you think you, you you're going to go for it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, our, our game plan is while it's not um, it's not the sort of we've got a, we've got our plan and we're going to sort of religiously stick to it um, regardless of the opposition strengths. Um, obviously, we've got enough players who were who were at the club when Pochettino was manager, so they're going to have a pretty good idea of how he's going to try and um, try and play. Um, so there's certain things that we can certainly do to um, to negate that um, in some similar sort of way to how West Brom uh, played last week. Um, although I'd um, I'd like to think we'd be a lit- little bit more. Um, little bit more adventurous from the start as opposed to sort of waiting to realise that um, Spurs were having won their off days and then thinking, OK, we'll, we'll go for it now. Um, but no, I mean, I think we've, I think certainly so far this season with our performances and results, we've kind of earned the right to, um, to kind of play the way, play the way we want and, and see what, see what the opposition have got um, to stop us to an extent. Did you did you see Alan Irvine refer to the Spurs home crowd as their twelfth man? <laughs> that was an interesting one. Um, but it was yeah, because I mean from I mean obviously I didn't didn't see the game, um, but from from what I gathered from um, mate of mine who's season ticket old, he said it was bloody awful. Um, obviously performance and um, and atmosphere, but it's it's just. I mean, home home crowds, particularly the big clubs now, are, are so expectant. And so, what, what's Tottenham's excuse then? Pay fifty, sixty quid a ticket, and you're kind of expecting your your team, where you spent, I mean, best part of hundred million quid last last year, you're expecting them to be able to break break down a team of previously no hopers like West Brom. Well, 
You would, wouldn't you? Um, I, I mean, are you are you worried about this one, Seb? Yeah, because you, the thing is, is that I, I always worry when there's a. Well, first of all, like, playing at home makes me anxious anyway because of that crowd, um, and I'm not meaning to have a go at anyone, but it's become a, a feature of Tottenham at home now. Is that if the side aren't one or one up within 20 minutes or half an hour, or if they aren't right on the front foot from the very beginning of the game against a side who you're expecting a victory, you can feel the tension. I haven't been to White Hart Lane this season, but I doubt it's changed very much. Um, and it's it's just, it's, yeah. Um, and also, so mix that in with what Southampton have, and that's like you know, a really smart centre forward, uh, a couple of very creative players behind him. And that really plays in. I mean, forget take Arsenal off the table because that you know that that could well be a false reality because of you know the occasion and what it inspires in certain players. If Tottenham defend the way they did against West Brom against Southampton, they'll get beat. It won't be one nil. I mean, it's a team that can really hurt you. Um, and similarly, I don't. I don't necessarily. You know, um, it's not. It's just not. You know, Southampton at home is not an easy game. Um, and also, you can't ignore the momentum that they bring into that into that match. I mean, you look at sort of look at the way they played at Anfield. Look at the way they um, they played. I think they're, they're what four games won on the on the on the bounce. Steve, is that right? Uh, yeah, four in the league, six in total. Yeah, six. Yes, you won at the Emirates as well. And this isn't you know, and, and that Emirates game is a really good example. This set of players isn't afraid of playing at big grounds. If that's what White Hart Lane is, <laughs> but they're not. They're, they're not going to come. They're not going to come over and um, and just roll over. They're not. They're not a. Um, this is an established Premier League side. They don't have uh, any kind of inferiority complex, and rightly so. They're, they're strong. Centre back is a, a little bit of an issue because you know um, they are. Uh, there are new components within that defence, but generally they're a very resilient football team. Um, and yeah, no, I don't feel that comfortable about it. I mean. Raj, how how would you like us to approach the game? Um, what I'd be looking for is a performance, to be honest. Um, I don't know how many times I have to repeat. Uh, this this season for me is more about performances and uh, properly implementing the tactics in place rather than actually trying to uh, pick a goal, uh, leak position-wise or, or points-wise and go for it. Um, I think if we're to aspire to do anything this season, it should be to try and win a cup. And that's not to, to write off the, the league campaign entirely, but if we're playing a team at home, no matter who it is, I just want us to, to try and play in a manner that is going to be befitting of the, the tactical identity we're going to try and uh, try and maintain going forward, rather than just to, to try and find the easiest route to uh, three points. And I, I just want us to to try best to implement that and, and, and play in that system. I mean, the Tottenham fans aren't going to like it in the ground um, if, if it doesn't go our way. Um, I mean, I've, I've written that piece previously comparing this season for us as to that, that first season that Rodgers had at, at Liverpool and it seems to have correlated with some people's opinion, seems to have, have helped people understand what, what it actually takes time-wise and to have that sort of direct comparison available seems to actually help people understand what it, what it may take long term for something like this to actually uh, result in something actually decent happening um, but I, I, I'm not worried about Southampton I'm not, I'm not overly scared I think if we, if we 
try and keep Tadic as, as quiet as possible, then then that'll be half the job done. In all honesty, I think he's, he's by far the most dangerous player um, on the left. He's he's come into the league and taken to it like a, a duck to water, um, and he's been really impressive. So um, other than that, as I say, I wouldn't be be too worried. I think hopefully they can be got at defensively um, at home, and I'd I'd be looking to to try and play Soldado if possible rather than Adibayor. To see, um, see what he can do in the league. Would you agree with that, Steve? About Tadic, do you, do you think he's your your best or most dangerous player? As Raj said, I think a lot depends on who you play at fullback. Um, because we had obviously Sadio Mane made his uh, league debut for us on Saturday, um, and um, caused Isla at right back for QPR all sorts of problems. So we actually played with the two wingers inverted on on Saturday. So Tadic played off the right um, with Mane on the left, and I mean he was he was all over the place. He was um, causing them all sorts of problems. Um, so if um, Carl Norton plays, then I'd fancy I'd fancy Mane's chances of, um, of success down down that side. Um, Just on that, Carl Norton had Carl um, Norton had both Ozil and Sanchez quiet for about an entire half an hour of football almost single-handedly on the weekend so he's in he's in quite a good period of form at the moment Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't write him off I mean I have previously said at at points he doesn't look like he'd ever seen a football before (laughs) he doesn't look like a a quality of a championship player never mind a Premier League one but there was something about him uh, and he's done this once or twice he's he's shown this performance that's in there so I'm I'm now (laughs) growing reluctant to completely write him off because he was he was outstanding last weekend I mean they had 80 million pounds worth of attacking footballer trying to run at him on, on purpose I'd imagine and uh, he did an extremely good job I, I mean I, I do think that I do think that certain defensively at fullback is where you're vulnerable um, obviously performances on the on Saturday aside Um Norton and um, I assume Danny Rose will play at left back. Um, both of them obviously want to get forward, but they don't seem to be quite so keen to track the runners going the other way. Um, and in a po- in Pochettino's system, the the fullbacks are so important. They need to have need to have so much energy and stamina. And I mean, to be honest, that that was probably the one thing. I mean, going back to what we said about Luke Shaw earlier. That was the one thing that Shaw had um, that made him stood out, made him stand out amongst our team last season. Was just his his energy and his stamina to last the whole whole ninety plus minutes, bombing up and down um, in both directions down that touchline. And if Rose and Norton um, can get get their stamina, stamina and energy levels to anywhere near um, near that, then um, then I think Pochettino's system will work for you. Um, but if not, um, you might you might struggle defensively. Can I push you for a scoreline, Steve? Cool. Um, I'll take a glorious draw. Um, high scoring one. We'll go two each. Two each. Okay. Sounds interesting. Well, one thing I wanted to end on, mate, just before we say good night. Um, sounds a bit creepy, that doesn't it? Just before we say good night. Uh, <laughs> but Lights but off. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Did it, uh, did, I don't know if you saw the the quote this week of Gareth Bale um, when he 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 said that you know when his Madrid career's over he wants to 
come back to Spurs. Are you were uh, you you a bit put out by that at all, mate? Um, I didn't actually hear it, so um, uh, probably not. No, it's. Uh, are you you going uh, on the whole if you don't hear a tree fall in the rainforest kind of kind of logic? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to be to be fair, the Bale he's he's whenever um, whenever he's been asked about his development and stuff, he's always mentioned us. Um, so it's not a case of that he's um, he's moved on and and he's um, just sort of completely forgotten. Um, sort of the upbringing he had. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if he's good, if he's good enough to play for a play for a top six team rather than a top eight team, then yeah, fine, go for it. All right, mate. Well, um, thanks very much for uh, for joining us this evening. And I guess the only other thing I would say is just get your own chant, basically, mate. When the Spurs go marching <laughs> in, yeah. Right, uh, yeah, so it's just me and Raj now. <laughs> That's what we should call the episode, not a Channel 5 documentary. Yeah, well, that's a little segue into the conversation we were just having before I press record, <laughs> which was about me being in the gym at 6 o'clock in the morning this morning, um, because I'm going to be 30 in February, and I'm a bit fat, so I'm scared about dying, basically. I'm scared of slipping from this mortal coil, Raj. You can't... You don't understand, mate, right? You whippersnapper. You don't get it, mate. I'm staring. I'm oh, no. I'm um, peering into the abyss, mate. It's, it's not good. You're you're not you're not a coughing dodger yet, so I, mm. I won't be too too worried. It's not like you're clogging up your arteries with meat and whatnot with you and your tofu diet. That's you'll it. be all right, love. I put no smoking anymore. I hardly ever drink. You know. Did you used to smoke? I used to smoke quite a lot. Yeah, I did. If you're listening, Mum, I didn't smoke. Um, but yeah, I used to smoke probably about. What did you smoke? Um, because this is when everyone I started getting called out on the brand of cigarettes. I used to, I used to smoke Marlboro Lights. Yeah, so I used to smoke. Not oh, is that is that what became Marlboro Gold? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then not wrong with Marlboro Gold. Then I think Marlboro Gold. Yeah, but then I I moved on to Rollies because I always I preferred <laughs> I preferred the taste of Rollies. I always found them a bit nicer. Yeah. I had that ill-conceived idea that they were somehow healthier less not healthier less harmful i should say but the taste is actually nicer oh, i could i could do one you just wanted to look cool don't lie. You, you just wanted to be seen like making them it may or may not have coincided with when i got a job in shoreditch just saying <laughs> but anyway we've we've we fucking talked football to death i've missed you you big bastard um it's been a while i know it's been just us two do some tv you're you're uh, the the apple of your eye, Martha. She got kicked off a bake off, mate. We did we did you have a I was disappointed. You you loved Martha, didn't you? Inappropriately yeah. loved Martha. And no, I I loved her like I'd love a little sister. Um there was no there was no feelings of that manner towards Martha. So you, you you reserving all those feelings for Mary Berry then, mate, as opposed to Martha. <laughs> If I had to choose for a bit of old crumpet from the BBC stable, I'd go for Sue Barker rather than Mary Berry in all honesty. But it probably does Sue Barker a bit of a disservice, man. I don't even think she's on par with Mary Berry yet, like in terms of brackets. No, not in terms of that being like a national icon or anything or a, anything like that, but that would be me prefer. How have we got here? Um, my one concern with Bake Off is that. Richard's going to win it with the pencil behind his ear. I just want to slap him. I, I want. I'm. I'm. I'm team Chetna. Keep mate. him from winning. I want Chetna to do it. I like her. Chetna. 
Well, you know what my feelings towards Chetna, but she's essentially just... Why don't you share them with the rest of the group, mate? This this may not go down well, but (laughs) I have been known to describe her previously as... um, What was the old uh, Scottish book called? Uh, Uh, Norman. Norman, yeah. Yeah, I I did call her the Brown Norman previously, (laughs) because... Let me explain. Uh, Norman got criticised every week for playing it safe by just doing his, his usual things and essentially just making things he was used to. And uh, what people seem to have missed with Chetna is because she makes these spicy dishes and she is Indian and, and they're what she'll be used to doing, she's essentially just doing what Norman did. But because it's a bit fancier and the people on the show are white and they can't go... We know you're Indian love, but can you move away from the spicy shit, please, and make something <laughs> different? They, they can't say it to her, so... I mean, they've called her a mildly racist name when they call her the Queen of Spice, which uh, Paul Hollywood says about three different times this year. And it's like, he's he's subtly saying, come on, love, you, you, we know what you're doing every time here. But, um, yeah, I, I'm saying that, that was my feeling towards her. I'm, I'm not... I hope she does well, but, you know... She she is as I say, just the brown version of Norman. He's a he's a nasty bastard, Paul Hollywood. Now he's he's proper mean. He's tr- he's trying to carve out a niche as a as a Simon Cowell type. He's turning Bake Off into a into a most mean spirited affair, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of his anymore. But uh, yeah, we, mate, we, I've yeah. never really liked him to be honest. He's been a, been a he's, he's a bit of an odd fella. Um, um, he, he does have his moments. I remember in a past series there was that um, there was another old bloke, but he was like the opposite of Norman. He was like Norman and Louis combined because he used to make yeah. all those grand designs. And they had that um, oh, gingerbread week. Oh, made the one with the glasses that sometimes on extra slides. That yeah, one. him. Yeah. He, he's the one. Yeah, he, he's the one that I reckon's going to get trapped by yew tree at some point. He's <laughs> with his glasses and his stance. He, there was this one week where he built this perfect inch model, a scale model of a gingerbread house. Everything on it was perfect. It looked fine. Paul Hollywood cracked it at first chance, bit into it, told him it tasted like shit, and <laughs> told him to go away. <laughs> Which the the guy's face just felt it was my favourite when people try too hard. I mean, there's a middle ground. You, you try and but you don't try too hard. He he likes a bit of that pull over when he, he like he wanders over to their he wanders over to their thing. He'll be like, "Hey, what are you doing there, then, mate?" You know, and they'll they'll just kind of be. And like, he repeats yeah. it as well. He repeats it as well. So I'm like, uh, like you, you you're greasing your tins before you put the dough in. Well, that's brave. Yeah. That's brave. Uh, yeah, it's it's everything. Like, so he could ask you any question. Like, oh, Raj, what are you doing in your toilet? Oh, I'm just wiping my ass. You're wiping your ass with toilet paper. Oh, <laughs> mate, come on. It makes you doubt yourself, doesn't it? I wonder what his kids are like. You know, they're like, you know, does he have know. kids? I don't know. I thought he did. I thought he'd done the dirty on his wife and kids, and then they took him back. Allegedly. Oh, is it allegedly? Are we I gonna think, have the BBC's I lawyers think, on to I, us? I don't know. Just, just make sure. Because um, I, I don't fancy being. If I like end up in some sort of legal battle with Bake Off, it'll break my heart. It's my my favourite thing to watch of an evening. More than in the past few weeks. <laughs> Genuinely, the, the, Tottenham had played last week at the same time as Bake Off, and it was my, my decision whether or not we recorded the football and watched it afterwards or recorded Bake Off. And uh, I decided to watch the Forest game, but once we'd gone one 0 down to Forest and 
had to come from behind. Uh, I was regretting my decision. But and, and one one thing that um, what's he called? Steve said. What's he called? Sorry, Steve. It's only been about five minutes since I've spoken to you. I've forgotten your name. Um, he, he said about Pochettino at, at, at Southampton is that he um, he never he never turned a game around there, and he, he never made telling substitutions. I don't think that's something that's that's not the case whatsoever at Tottenham. I think his game management is something that's been a positive. Um, the, the substitutions he's making. If we take that Forest game as an example, he brought on um, Harry Kane, Lamella, and Mason two of which scored fairly decisive goals and the other one assisted. So they were good. And um, again, on the, the weekend against Arsenal, I, I wrote about this as well, but um, the timing of which he made the substitution of, of Ericsson off and Lennon on trying to trying to stem the flow of Arsenal's attacks by giving us another pacey outlet. Although Lennon didn't do his, his role as good as he could have done, he was still effective in, in helping defend in the wider positions and breaking when possible. Um, his game management is something that I see as a positive. I think that what's been misconstrued by the fact that I've, I've been slightly more uh, positive about that game and, and what it showed was the fact that because we, were, we weren't expecting anything from it whatsoever, not not five minutes of fantastic um, football, not anything from it, we were expecting to go there and, and have his pants pulled down quite royally. The fact that we played as well as we did it and as, as organised as we did for an hour, for me, was just a, a massive positive. And although there is the, the caveat that perhaps they did raise themselves for the, the occasion, um, given that's Arsenal, I don't think that's a, a bad thing um, at all. But the, the the thing that gave me heart was because I've said so many times that this is going to be a long project and that those ideas are going to take a while to go across, the fact that they showed that in concentrated amounts that it's something that they can adopt and it's they've shown signs already that it's something they can do effectively to the point where they can go with the Emirates and score an away goal and, and sit on the lead and, and press effectively, um, it gave me a lot of heart. And um, it's it's only good signs going forward, as far as I'm concerned. It's, um, it's it's definitely there's a there's a lot of promise there when a player that was as marginalised and as written off as Chadley can, for the big occasion, still get his pecker up, penetrate the box, and score. You know, genuinely, uh, Nasser Chadley is a, a hero of mine. Um, not for his ex- exploits on the on the pitch, but for the rumours he creates off it. I mean, he's I, just. I, I bet Chadley's one of those players that genuinely he just goes into he goes into the dressing room before a game and is just like gets the other players to sniff his fingers. Do you know what I mean? Guess where I've just been, lads. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Did you see that guy in midweek? Um, you were. Um... They're like taking Mick out of him on, on Twitter and that because he'd, he'd been on Snapchat. You know, I think I were a fresher at some university. I can't remember where he was, but he'd essentially just Snapchat his entire now out, which was just him pulling different random losses. And at the end of it, he was kissing one of his lad mates as well. <laughs> but um, it, it like it got leaked and somebody had just like clipped it all together and put it on YouTube and whatnot. But I think that's what Chadley would do. I think all Tottenham lads are sat at home. Like the day before training at at, like at ten, probably watching Bake Off as we do. Whereas Chadley's down Oceana Snapchatting himself for random losses. Yeah, did you get NASA Snapchat lads? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah I'm, mate, I'm not. I'm not. I was. I'm not here to talk to you about football. I wanted more cake, but you cut that short, mate. So you know, it was because it. we can't 
we can't. Is it? Is it? Do we have to talk more about cake now that you're going to the gym and eating less of the cake? Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> precisely it, man. I've got to offset. I've got to offset my, the cake balance in my life. Uh, to be fair, I'm more of a savoury man when Bake Off's on. We, well, I'm not going to talk I, about. I completely bake-off. agree. We, we're going to get in trouble if we keep talking about Bake Off, mate. We're testing the waters here. We're moving from HBO onto Bake Off. If there's any Americans listening and they don't know what Bake Off is, watch it. Right, I know you um, get. I know you get the BBC out there. Right, watch Bake Off, and then to learn cricket. Nah, you don't. You don't need to learn cricket. You do. No. If, if there's two things that that this magnificent country can give you, it's cricket and the Great British Bake Off, yeah. as well as you know spelling words like colour correctly and grammar. <laughs> but you know, I think I think that's a lost cause. Right. Um... Thank you we very did much. Really well with for, yeah, avoiding we avoiding all all forms of football in in that. We did well. We well, not really, because then we did just start talking about football again, didn't we? <laughs> but um, we thank you very much for all those that have written some reviews and given us some ratings this week. My, my, <laughs> no, my, I forgot about those. My particular favourite was uh, I listen as I find the view of the opposing team supporters quite interesting, and as far as I'm aware, it's the only pod that does this. Yeah. I hope you're listening, Hotspur's podcast. Anyway, um, the host (laughs) is a bit too full of his own self-importance for my liking, while his sidekick is a bit of a miserable specimen. That could just... (laughs) That could be just his accent. Okay in small doses. There was... um, I mean, we shouldn't laugh, but there was that other one um, that I found because I made the mistake of once we'd had these iTunes reviews and whatnot. <laughs> to... <laughs> what was that, Peter? <laughs> it was probably me. Did you write that? No, I right. Yeah. <laughs> I might, though. Is, it, yeah. is she trolling us? No, it wasn't. She said it, she said it was, but it wasn't her. So. Um, the one, the one I found because we we went down this rabbit hole, me and you, of looking for reviews, and I just I just searched us in Google, which one should never do, and I came across this um, forum post from a forum never heard before by a bloke called Eden Spur uh, on the 29th of August 2014, and he goes on to which, which forum was this, mate? I can't remember what it was now. Was it uh, Fighting Cock? Was it? No, I won't find the, won't that one. They're, they're quite nice to us on that one, in fairness. They um, are, aren't they? Oddly so. Not, um, that I, not that I ever sometimes stalk that forum and type my name <laughs> or anything. You know. <laughs> <laughs> on a daily basis, you've yeah. got Google that's up. They obviously they, they say about the, they say nice things about the fighting cock, and then they say nice things about who won the Spurs, and then they end it by saying, and this is verbatim, I would say Rule the Roost is the best of the lot. Get both it. of the main guys are both of the main guys are, are pretty good with that to trunk bloke hosting it very well <laughs> and the co commentator Raj offering very pretentious but often very interesting <laughs> viewpoint in one of the dullest radio voices I've ever heard. That's a bit unfair yeah. again, I think. But you know. <sighs> I didn't think I was ever pretentious. I mean, my voice isn't for everyone. We've said this from the very beginning. It's an acquired taste, and I do try and tone it down as much as possible. I mean, there's only once or twice where you've opened the pod and I've replied with, you are right, love, rather than <laughs> anything too too bad. I think they can cope with that much. 
But, uh, Maybe you should end it on Tara, Tara love or something, perhaps. Tara. Yeah. There's not wrong with Tara. Alright, oh, well, uh, yeah. I'm saying that, you, what the, else have we got? The only thing it doesn't doesn't bode well for us after that, though, is he then, I'm reading it now, he just says, no, my favourite podcast is still probably by Mark Commode. Um, and as much as I, I have a modicum of respect for Mark Commode's cinematic reviewing, his kind of video and podcasting stuff I'm not so fond of, so I don't know what that says about our performance here, to be honest. But, you know, let's take it. Every 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 positive review is a positive review. So uh, thank you very much. How does he? How, how can you like? Hang on a minute. How can you like Mark Commode and think that I'm the pretentious one out of the two of us? You know, maybe maybe he has a teddy boy hairstyle as well or something. I don't know. Well, at least he, at least he didn't at least he didn't call me Carl Pilkington, and that's 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 a fucking bonus. <laughs> Carl Pilkington. But um, yeah, you can of course. Listen to all the previous episodes now on SpursStatman.com or on iTunes. We can't listen to all of the previous episodes on SpursStatman, but you will be able to yeah, you can. from now on. Oh, if you've got them all up there. They're all of them there. They've been there for weeks. You can listen to them all if you go to www.spursstatman.com forward slash rule the roost. They're all there in one big player all together. Oh, and then each okay. week by week one. This is our 50th episode. Oh, fuck. Who, uh, yeah. Oh, that's well prepared. Who's our most noteworthy number 50? Anyone know? I can't remember. Somebody's won number 50 in the last few seasons, I remember it. But I think it was just like a youth team player. We, we can't name it after a youth team player with 50 on the back. We'll just put like happy, happy 50th or something. It's like our name. But um, anyway, that, I'd literally only just remembered that now because um, as we, because I was going on about, I've uploaded the other the other forty nine episodes are all on there in week by week segments, so you can listen to them individually should you so wish, or they're in one big ass, one big ass playlist. I think he was about to say, um, but he's cut out because his internet's shite. So uh, I think I'll end it there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.